Good morning, Carpenter's Way. That kind of sound like Robin Williams on that movie. Good morning, Vietnam. All right, so um, I'm here to speak to you. I was uh, asked to come here, and uh, my name is Spike Stern, like Jesse just introduced me, and I'm coming here to tell you about my Jesus. And uh, so I'm going to try to do the best I can. I did title this message. I said, How Precious Is Your Bread? Uh, Jesse taught last week, if you were here, and his message kind of parallels what I'm going to talk about today. I told him about that. He said, I didn't steal any of your stuff, did I? I said, no, perfectly fine. I'm sure um, all it will do is just enhance my message, what he, he talked about uh, last week. All right, so uh, before I get started, be totally transparent. Uh, I'm pretty tired. Um, we did some uh, festivities last night with the grandkids and all. And I mean, we had everybody staying at the house. And so grandkids are excited. They happen to stay up late. Me and Mr. are like, I'm like, oh, man, I don't know if I can remember all that. So, so we scrambled, and we, don't worry, got the notes printed right here. So if I get scrambled brain, that uh, I'm going to be rescued from that. Don't worry about it taking too long. Brought a stopwatch. <laughs> I am a PE teacher, so uh, I have the hookup, okay? And, uh, oh, I better start it. Uh, <laughs> and uh, so, you know, they had the grandkids, family, so I'm a little tired. One kid woke up at 6 a.m., so uh, it's a little tired. But I told Missy this morning, say I prayed last night and this morning. I said, uh, Satan's not going to use this. I told him, uh, uh, hit the road, Jack. Don't let the door hit you on the backside on the way out. In Jesus Christ's name. That's what I did. And so um, um, this message that I'm going to give to you today, it's, uh, man, it started like three years ago. And uh, I, I don't know about you, but... Uh, Ever since my last three years of journey in my life, uh, uh, in time with prayer, or maybe I'll hear his message, or I'll read God's word, or just flat out just spending some time with him, just focus on him, and I don't know, I'll, I'll receive a message, and then, I don't know, I'm, I'm kind of reluctant, and, but I hang on to it because it's meaningful to me, and then I'll hear something again, or I'll pray something again, or like uh, last month, I sent Jesse a message because he gave a message, and it kind of tied in with something that God put on my heart, and it's like God will take something, and he'll give it to me, but he'll just kind of like reinforce it, or, or validate it, or like, see, I told you so, and, and that's kind of what this message was right here, and so back in about uh, April 2018, um, early April, uh, I had a conversation with God. It was a prayer. And then I had another one like the next day. And then I had one at the end of June, actually two of them back to back as we were actually traveling to Houston for a medical care uh, in 2018. And then lo and behold, I found out during this whole thing when I was recovering from cancer, I'm a John Piper fan. And I know that. So I started listening to John Piper and reading some of his messages. And he, uh, God kind of used a message from John Piper and just kind of tied up this package in a nice little package just for me. And uh, I'm going to share it with you. And he, I probably heard that message um, around October, later that year, in 2018. And uh, so if you know anything about me and Missy and our journey, um, during that time frame, we were going through a pretty tough trial. Um, you know, cancer had entered our life, and uh, uh, me as a patient, her as the caregiver, um, I was wondering sometimes if she was thinking she was going to be the caretaker, but thank God she was not. 
and I'm here today. Um, so, you know, before that, I used to read um, off and on uh, James 1, 2 through 4. So if, uh, Barbie, if you can get that up there real quick. And uh, I, I used to read it, and I used to, like, really think and ponder on the last three words of, the, of this, uh, these scriptures. And uh, so let, let's just read real, real quick. So starting at verse 2, it says, oh, I might need these. So I can, I, you know, I have 20 10 vision, but I cannot see two feet in front of me. Go figure. All right, so uh, verse 2, it says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Verse 3, because you know that the testing of your faith produced perseverance, and some translations say endurance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete. Here it is, those last three words. Not lacking anything. Man, I used to sit there and just think upon that, ponder, what does not lacking anything look like? I mean, what is it? I mean, is it having it all? Well, kind of yes. But not like in the worldly sense, like I'm just possessing everything I want, okay? And so, um, um, God, in his infinite wisdom, um, he uses cancer to show me um, as it pertains to me, as I was just pondering, often on through years, um, what uh, not lacking anything means. So uh, think back at the time when you uh, came to know Christ. Uh, you knock on the door of salvation, and God opens up the door of your heart, and you enter in, and what are you, are happy? You're joyful, you're excited, you're thankful, you're grateful for this moment. And then, but uh, somehow you find yourself still just standing in the doorway. You know, when Jesus there, like, uh, come a little closer, you know? And you kind of take some baby steps. You kind of inch your way in. And then um, all of a sudden, time goes by. Years go by. And you kind of look around, and, oh, I'm not very far in this room, am I? You know, I'm still not very far from the door. And so... Um, Jesus is kind of encouraging, you know, come closer. And uh, then maybe you're just uh, happy being in the doorway, just celebrating the fact that uh, you're saved and your name is registered in heaven. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't know um, what our situations are, what we find ourselves in, but uh, we're not really realizing what we're missing out by not taking those steps, moving in closer to, to what Jesus is calling us to, to do. And so sometimes you have a trial come along, kind of pushes you in the door a little bit further. Then another comes and pushes you in a little bit further. And all of a sudden, the big one hits. And you find yourself now falling. I mean, like you're really falling. Like that face plant falling. Like you're falling face forward, straight. And then all of a sudden, you realize, you realize that you are closer to Jesus than you've ever been because he's holding you. He's catching you. He's carrying you. And it's where you should have been all along. It's where I should have been all along. You know, because, like I said, this is a three-year message I've been carrying. So it's kind of personal to me. And so, uh, so let's, let's think about some of the reasons why Jesus came to us, to be with us. One, save the world. 
not condemn it. John 3, 16 and 17. Uh, one is to serve. And from that, show us a great love. But uh, how about this one? How about he came to change our desires? You know, desires are, I don't know about you, but they can be a huge factor in the way you, your relationship with God. And so, um, you know, this message kind of is changing our desires. He came to be the bread, okay? He's not to give us bread, which, which I'm fixing to tell you about that in a minute. He does actually give some bread. And so uh, my, my message, most of it comes out of John 6, and it's verses 1 through 27, so if you kind of want to turn there. Um, I am going to skip some of it and just kind of summarize it for uh, time's sake. Uh, but uh, before we get into John 6, so, it, so it's where Jesus feeds a whole lot of people some bread. Um, so you, you may be familiar with that. But uh, uh, the, f- the thing that kind of stood out to me is uh, he calls it a sign. We read it and say, oh, that's a miracle. Uh, but he calls it a sign. So, like, uh, we have signs in life. So what are signs? You know, some of them are signs of warning. You know, like danger up ahead, bridge out, or, uh, you know, ducklings crossing the road. Or you ever seen those videos where wild turkeys hijack a roadway? And they get out there, and you got these uh, highway patrolmen trying to chase these wild turkeys off. Have, has anybody ever seen that? Those videos on YouTube or whatever? That's, that's danger right there. So uh, them turkeys are chasing after them. Uh, my wife one time had a rooster chasing after her, and that was, like, really treacherous. And that was funny as all get out, too. Um, we also see signs that suggest, you know, like uh, how fast to sleeve. You know, this direction, that's, that's a good one. Why don't I put that one in my message? Um, you know, um, you know, speed limit, you know, just a suggestion. You might want to drive this speed, even though a lot of times we don't observe that sign too well. Um, we ignore it. Uh, hey, wouldn't it be great if we had signs that said free gas up ahead, turn left in half a mile or better yet free gumbo. That's what I'm talking about right down the road. You know, if we had stuff like that. But uh, the sign, I think, John, in John 6, what he's trying to relate is that um, this sign that Jesus is talking about is to bring attention, bring our attention to something. Bring attention to is, is um, I think, uh, what John 6, this sign is talking about. Oh, and also in John 6, uh, Jesus walks on water, too. So, you know, another miracle, which uh, after... Uh, Reading this, I don't really know how that tied into the, to the bread story, but it's there anyway. All right, so uh, let's start in John 6, verse 1. It says, Sometimes after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, and a great crowd of people followed him because they saw signs he performed by healing the sick. Then Jesus went up to the mountainside and sat with his disciples. It was the Jewish Passover, Passover festival near... Uh, when Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming towards him, he said to Philip, where should we buy bread for these people to eat? Uh, I think he's like taking Philip, he's like a little onion and kind of peeling some things back on Philip here uh, to reveal some things. And uh, he's, he said this, he, he asked, only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. So Philip answered him probably 
wide-eyed, kind of like panicked a little bit, said, uh, it would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have one bite. And I, I don't even know if that's even realistic in Philip's mind. Verse 8, another disciple, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up, probably pretty sheepishly, uh, here's a boy with five loaves of barley bread and two small fish, but uh, how far will they go among so many people? All right, here's my first bus stop. Stop on bus right here, all right? So um, here are these guys, you know, witness God perform miracles after miracles so far. Not, not a bunch of them, but there are, there are some. They've seen some uh, miraculous stuff, and uh, yet they, uh, they're kind of doubting a little bit, kind of questioning, kind of unsure of things. And uh, look, if you read the Bible or just in your life and just see circumstances, if you doubt and question, I get it, okay? Just don't park there. Because the meter's running on you, okay? Um, just, just don't stay in that question. And, and also, don't beat yourself up over if you do it. Because actually, we, when you're doubting question, we're in good company, right? I mean, these 12 guys questioned Jesus kind of off and on throughout their, their whole journey together. And uh, these are his disciples, his chosen ones. And they question and doubt it. Heck, even one of them received the famous nickname, right? Uh, doubting Thomas, and then uh, you know what, what? Basically, what did Jesus say when he saw Thomas? He said, "Look, I'm real. Look, I got the scars right here. I'm real. I mean, okay, let's be realistic. <laughs> Jesus is is God. Did he have to keep those scars? No. He did that out of love. He carries some scars out of love because he loves Thomas. He loves us." I mean, why would he do that? Because he's just, he's just good like that, you know? And uh, so, uh, oh, verse one, okay. So Jesus didn't have to do that. He's just, uh, let's go to verse 10. Here, I'm rambling there. All right, so Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place. I mean, God making sure everybody's comforted. And they sat down, and it says there's about 5,000 men were there. Then that doesn't take into account how many women or children are along the journey, too. It just says 5,000 men. And he said, uh, then Jesus took the loaves. And he didn't do much. He just, uh, Lord, thank you for this bread. And that was it. Uh, and distributed it to those who were seated as much as they wanted you know, so, um, you know, he's going along, he's giving bread, and, uh, uh, sir, I'll take two. Okay, here, as much as you want it. I mean, he didn't say, he didn't say no, this is uh, rations, much as you want it. And he did the same thing with the fish. Okay, verse 12. When they had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over, let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled if this ain't coincidence or a blessing, I don't know, 12 baskets. How many disciples are there? 12. 12 baskets with pieces of five barley loaves left over by those had eaten. Okay? All right. 12 baskets from five loaves, two f- 
fish leftovers. Does that not blow your mind? I mean, the mathematics alone blows your mind. Five loaves of bread, two fish. Now we got 12 baskets full. Okay? That's, uh, to me, that's like mind-blowing. Hey, this is a message right here for CW staff. You sit up. Uh, all right, so listen. If you join in with Jesus in a ministry, okay, you're going to have a basket for you. And it's going to be enough. Hey, those of you that have been in this church since the beginning, you know we're, we're accustomed to that in this church. We always, no matter when we have a need, we always have enough here. Unexplainable. Only because, why? Because he's just good like that. All right, so let's go to verse 14. So it says, uh, after the people saw the sign Jesus performed, they began to say, surely this is a, no, not a, the prophet who is to come into the world. Verse 15, Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, he withdrew up to the mountains by himself. All right, here's my second major bus stop. Put on the brakes. Parking brake in. Here we go. So here's half of the meat and potatoes of my message, or the bread, rather. Okay? So Jesus, later on, which I'm not, I'm not going to really get into, he, he tells the followers that he is the bread about three times. He's bread life. So here's my question. Um, how do we view Jesus? Do we view him as useful, beneficial? Heck yeah, he's useful. Heck yeah, he's beneficial to know him, right? I mean, think about that. Just ponder that just for a second in your mind. But um, I wonder, um, how, does, how does he want us to view him? Okay? Does he want us to view him as a benefit plan, like a retirement plan? Oh, yeah, my, like I said, my name is registered in heaven. You know, I mean... And, and that is a, a benefit, right, um, by knowing him. Uh, but what about these people? I mean, look how they're viewing him. They're like, man, we can take Jesus and make him king, overthrow the Romans, and overthrow anybody that gets in our way. If he's king, that means I don't have to worry about what to eat, no more plowing fields, no more tending livestock. Don't have to worry about clothes. Well, you, they still got to wear clothes, but don't have to work for clothes. They don't have to work for money. Nothing. If he is king, that's all we have to do. So, so yeah, they are thinking that Jesus is useful, but they're not viewing him as precious. Okay? All right, so... Jesus performs this miracle with the, with the bread. All right, so let's add some, like, visual effects to that, okay? All right, so here's the miracle. Let's say the miracle is like a beam coming from heaven, coming slowly down. Use your imagination, you know, use, like, your Hollywood imagination. How about that? Like you're watching a movie. Here's this beam coming down slowly from heaven, okay? And so it's grabbing everyone's attention. They're looking at it, okay? Like a, like a ray of sun. The sun's beneficial, right? Yeah, heck yeah it is. So here's this beam coming down. The clouds open up. Maybe there's angels all around singing, rejoicing, or playing trumpets. So this beam making its way down from heaven, okay? And all eyes are fixed on this beam. 
fix going, and they're looking at the sign, what we call a miracle. But are they looking at the sign maker? Are they looking back up to heaven and say, looking at the Lord and say, oh, how precious you are, Lord. You are so good and kind. Look at what you're doing for us. Look at that. It said, are they saying, I will cherish you forever? Are they saying, I will lay down all my treasures, everything I have at your feet for you? Are they saying that? Just to be with you, that's what I will do. No, they're uh, saying to themselves, this guy is useful. And we need to use that. We need to capitalize on that. All right, so we're going to skip to verse 25, Barbara. I'm going to skip verses 16 through 24, okay? But I am going to summarize it. So this is where Jesus walks on the water. I'm not really sure how this all plays in, other than the fact that maybe it kind of sets up uh, verse 25 and through 20, 29. And so, um, you know, um, Jesus goes off in the mountains. Well, uh, the disciples, they're at the Sea of Galilee. They get in a boat and they row across. And I think it's like eight miles long across. And so uh, they're rowing. And all the followers notice that uh, they're going that way. They know Jesus went that way. And they're like uh, a little puzzled. And so they decide, you know what, we're just going to go follow the disciples and see if we can find them and see if we can find Jesus. So the next day they do the same thing. They go across the lake. Okay. Um, <laughs> but there's some things that happened during that time. Well, the disciples, according to Scripture, they get about three or four miles out. And uh, the seas get a little rough, a little turbulence, and they get scared. And then uh, all of a sudden they see Jesus walking across the water at them. And they get even more frightened. And then all of a sudden Jesus is like, it's I, you know. You know, kind of like, have you ever walked up somewhere and when it's pitch black dark and they're like, oh, hey, it's me. Well, this is kind of like that. You know, hey, it's I, me, Jesus. And so what do they do? They don't say, whoa, stand back. No, they say, get in the boat. They get him in the boat. Little side note here. If your boat is ever in a storm, here's my advice. Get Jesus in the boat. Okay, because John, here he writes. The next thing when Jesus gets in the boat, he basically just says immediately, the next thing that happens, we reach our destination. We're at the shore. I love John's attitude here. His attitude is this. Hey, get Jesus in the boat, and it's a done deal. Now, the other gospels, they kind of hash it out a little bit and add something to it. Not John. He says, Jesus in the boat, we're on the shore. It's done. You know, I don't know what happened to that other five miles they had the road, but... Is done, okay? So, uh, all right, so now Jesus is kind of setting up. He's about to talk about the bread life to all these followers who he's trying to convince them that uh, I'm the bread life, not the fact that I give you, give you bread. All right, so uh, John 6, uh, verse 25. So when they found him on the other side, like they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? They're like, you went that way, they went that way. Where, how did you get here? All right, put the brakes on, stop again right here. Because uh, you know what Jesus could have done right here? He could have said, well, I walked straight across. On all these molecules I created, I just walked straight across. But he didn't say that. Why did he not say that? Because he knew the desires of their hearts. He knew what they were wanting. 
out of him. And it just would have fed that even more if he just said, oh, I walked across. Okay? So uh, verse 26, Jesus gives him an answer. He says, uh, very truly. All right, wait a minute. When you see this in the Bible, that means it's bona fide. All right? Very truly, I tell you, you're looking for me? Not because you saw signs I performed because you ate the stinking loaves of bread, you know, had your fill. Sorry, I kind of added to scripture there. Please forgive me. Um, so can you imagine right now, Jesus is feeling a little bit angry, perturbed, kind of feeling a little bit under, underappreciated. It's kind of his attitude in answering here. And in verse 27 it says, do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures eternal life. No preservatives here. Um, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him, God the Father has placed his seal, stamped it, his seal of approval. That is a big old slice of bread he just gave them. And you know what? In the next one, he's given them even a bigger slice of bread in the next two verses. In verse 28, uh, then they asked him and said, what must we do to do the works God requires? I mean, I read that, I'm like, what the heck? They're asking, all right, what is God requiring? <laughs> I'm sure right now if emojis were invented back then that Jesus would have been using, you know, the, the emoji where you got the hand in the face. I'm sure that's the one that he would be choosing right now. So verse 29 says, the work of God is this. Man, this is a simple statement. I hope we all take this to heart. To believe in the one he has sent. Man, isn't that simple? But man, don't we complicate it so much? We make it so hard. But it's so simple. Just believe Jesus, the one I sent you. Okay? So how do we get to where we find ourselves not foolishing, fully cherishing Jesus on a daily basis? All right, so I said this story is kind of a little personal to me. So here's, here's my experiences. I, I, I rounded into top two experiences. One, circumstances. Uh, one of the most common is our daily to-do list, okay? Uh, bec that becomes a greater priority. And heaven help us if anything interrupts that. Uh, my youngest daughter, if you all know her, just, I told her I was going to call her out on this. But uh, if you know her real well, when she gets a to-do list or a plan, everyone get out of the way. Trust me, you don't want to be in her way. All right, so the second one says, uh, uh, which I've suffered a lot from the past, off and on. Heck, I mean, I, I'll be totally transparent. This year I suffered from it uh, one time, but God, I asked God to fix that, and he did. Uh, I call it spiritual amnesia. Um, God is in the past, he's blessed me. He's delivered me a lot of times from myself. Um, he's comforted me carried me even sometimes and he's just been so stinking good to me but I would still forget in my past I would still forget and I would forget that he's supposed to be my first love you know I would walk away from that totally amnesia spiritual amnesia and just forget that if you've experienced spiritual amnesia like I have again like I said earlier um, you're in good company um, let's take uh, King David, for example, okay? King David, as a younger man, out in the fields, God says to him, hey, David, let's go pick up some of the stones and show your brother how to slay a giant. Let's get it done. Did he not? 
What about uh, Saul in David's life? Did God protect him from Saul, from killing him? Yeah, he did. And then what happened? He made him king and protected him from all his enemies. But yet one day, David, I don't know the time frame. I just picture in my head, maybe it's in the morning time. Maybe it was. I didn't, I didn't look real in detail in Scripture. But he's out there. He steps out of his palace, which looks over this mass valley. And he's like, oh, man, what a glorious morning. Hello. Looks down, and he's all hubba hubba over Bathsheba bathing on the rooftop. Total spiritual amnesia. He just forgot everything that his precious Lord had already done for him. Right then and there. But thankfully, David repents, actually writes a psalm about the experience. We call it Psalm 51. It's a wonderful psalm. My favorite part of it is verses uh, 10 through 12. So if you get a chance, uh, make sure you go read that. Okay, what about uh, another character? Uh, what about Peter? Um, Peter walked with Jesus. He's had a great relationship. But yet, um, Peter, he told Jesus, he said, I believe you're the Messiah. Face to face, told him that. And he also told him, he said, I will not fall away on the account of you, Jesus. Never will. And then later that night, what does he do? He denies Jesus. Spiritual amnesia. I really think it's a thing. To me, personally, it is. But you know what? It's one that we choose. I mean, I really believe it's something we choose. So what can we do? What can we show God affection that he's due? Well, in verse 29, it says, just believe. Um, how about we just show our, we've seen examples, um, a kind of faith that just amazes God, knocks his holy socks off. And you're probably thinking, what? Can you really say that at church? Well, let me read an example where I feel like personally uh, that happened. Uh, Luke 7, uh, Barbara, uh, 1 through 10. All right, so when Jesus had finished saying all this to the people who were listening, he entered Capernaum, and there was a centurion servant uh, whom his master viewed highly, was sick, about to die. The centurion heard of Jesus and sent some elders of the Jews to ask him to come and heal the servant. Now, uh, this is a military leader, okay, um, that has not even seen Jesus, but he heard of him, okay? And he's asking to come heal his servant. Do uh, you remember what I talked about Thomas? you remember what Jesus said to Thomas? He said, you believe because you see, but blessed are those who believe and haven't seen. Okay? So, um, verse 4. Um, when they came to Jesus, they pleaded earnestly with him, this man deserves to have you do this, verse 5, because he loves our nation and has built our synagogue. You know, maybe they found this guy useful. Maybe they just cherished the fact that he's a Roman official and he loves them. I don't know. Doesn't really say. So Jesus, they went him over. They went Jesus over. So Jesus went with them. He was not far from the house when the centurion sent friends to say to him, Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. Look at the respect and adoration this guy has for Jesus, which he's never met. He's so humble, and he doesn't even feel worthy to have Jesus come into his house. You know, Jesus don't even own a house. Well, not on earth right now. He don't even have a home. He don't even have a house. And this guy doesn't feel like feel worthy for Jesus to come in. There. So, all right, so uh, verse 7 said, um, that is why I don't even consider myself worthy to come to you, but say the word and my servant will be healed. That's some kind of faith right there, isn't it? 
I mean, do you think um, he finds Jesus useful or precious at that moment? Maybe precious because he believes Jesus, who he's never met, is exactly who he says he is. Um, That, in my opinion, is beyond useful. Verse 8, for myself, I am a man under authority. Now, you know, I read this this morning, kind of going through some notes, and I um, was hit by something. This guy recognizes that Jesus is under authority of his father. Uh, With soldiers under me, I tell them, go, and one goes. I tell one, come, and he comes. Uh, Do this, he does that. And when Jesus heard this, he was, look in Scripture. Is it up there? Um, He was amazed at him and turned to the crowd and said, I tell you, I have not found such great faith even in Israel. All right, Jesus' holy socks just hit the floor right there. Okay? You can amaze God with your faith. Then the man who who was sent went back and found, of course, the guy healed. Okay, so let me run through this real fast. Remember my conversation I said? If you want to find Jesus truly useful and reap the benefits, then truly cherish him adore him, view him as precious bread of eternal life. So my conversations back in 2018, they kind of went like this. Number one, I told him I did not want any part of cancer, any control of it. I wanted him in control. Hang on. I want it. Brings back too many memories. I want him in control of every moment of my life. The second one, which was, I think was the day after. That my body was his to do whatever he wanted to. Destroy it, raise it up, heal it, whatever. I didn't care. Late June 2018, three and four on the same trip, we're headed to Houston. At this time, my body is in bad shape. It's physically been, it's in bad shape. Uh, radiation, taking a month off from chemo. I'm actually heading down Highway 73 to go get gamma knife procedure. Uh, I can still, like, uh, I'm sorry. I can still see the cow pastures and rice fields as I was praying. And I said, Father, even if heaven or hell is a factor or not, I still choose you. Father, even if I never receive another blessing or witness another miracle again the rest of my life, I will still always choose you. So uh, that's like I start with James. That is how God used cancer to change my desires. You're probably thinking, oh, yeah, you were a Christian before. You're a good guy. My desires were not always in line. He, choose, he showed me what uh, not lacking nothing looks like. He gave me wonderful, precious bread. He gave me his love. And uh, I'm just going to run through real quick. When I was asked to speak about this, I was in prayer, and a thought hit my head hard, hit me hard. It, the thought was, I am not a God of crossed arms. Okay? I was like, what? So, I got to use that just real quick. I'm going to run through real quick. So I imagine some of us sometimes born in life, and I imagine the world mostly looks at God like this. And what do we do? We're standoffish, aren't we? Wouldn't we? I mean, like, you're, 
a parent. You know, like the kids are like, you know, that's natural. But God's not like that. He's a God of open arms, okay? And he is like this. This is his posture with us. Look at the cross. This is his posture with us, okay? But even still, seeing that, we're still kind of like standing back. We still kind of doubt sometimes. Maybe sometimes we're like, I'm a hugger, and I'm going in to get a hug. You know, this is not a message about Jesse, okay, who's not a hugger. And when my daughter was an intern that summer, she made sure she hugged him every day and uh, just to give him a hard time. And so uh, you're a hugger. You go in, you get a hug, and then all of a sudden you kind of walk away, and all of a sudden spiritual amnesia. what, What happened? And then here's God. He's still just like this, okay? And then maybe your priorities, your to-do list, kind of giving the brush off. Yeah, okay. Oh, God. Yo, hey, God. Hey, what's up? No, I got to go to work, do something over here. You know, you can worship God at your workplace. You know, I hate to tell you that. They might think you're weird, but that's okay. You know? He's like this. And then maybe you stumble a couple of times. He's like, I've got you. i got you, boo. Isn't that a saying the kids say? <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just goofy. I got you. You know? And then all of a sudden, the big tragedy hits. Barbara, can you pull up that picture? All right. The big tragedy hits. This is a portrait. It's called uh, The Forgiven. And here's the point. Man, it's a pretty powerful picture, isn't it? Here's the tragedy. It hits. The big trial hits that you go through. And all of a sudden, you're wrapped up tight. And he's carrying you. He's holding you. Sometimes picking up the pieces. Here's my point. You can choose right now today where you're sitting or maybe when you drive home, whatever. You can choose right now today to cherish your God, have a great affection for him above all else. When I mean above all else, that means more than all your possessions. Yes, that nice boat you got, okay? Nice car you got, your home, your relationships with uh, friends, family members. Hey, this is how you know what I'm saying is real. Cherish him above your grandkids, if you know how I feel, we feel about our grandkids, you can choose that right now. Here's the last point I'll make. Don't wait until a major trial hits to get in that position. Then realize that that's where you need to be all along. You don't have to wait for something like that to happen to you before you're like this. And you're hugging him just as hard as you can as he's hugging you. And uh, that's my message, and that's why I ask you, how precious is your bread? Okay? And, uh, and I hope, hope it's well received. Let me just, we'll just end with a quick prayer. All right. Dear Heavenly Father, man, we love you so much. We're just so thankful for all the things you do for us. Lord, just give us the strength when we're so weak just to surrender to you, Lord. You are better than 
food we eat. You're better than gold. You're better than all the precious gems you created to give to us to enjoy anyway. You're better than all of that. You're better than any recognition we could get. And Lord, I, mean, I, I hope that today that people have heard this, that they see only you. They don't see this guy up here delivering it. Lord, I, I pray that they see it and they receive it. Lord, I hope that they, no matter what comes their way, even if there's nothing that comes their way, that they decide to choose you in all things. And I know they won't be disappointed. I just know that. Lord, bless these people as they go out. Lord, just love on. We love you so much. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.